Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. This is part B. Any person that stands strong in their authority, hopefully, they understand it is not their authority, it is God's authority, because all authority that does exist, exists because of God. Some have just been given this position to carry it. So what happens, and as surveys prove, is most gossip is based on the lives of leaders. And now we're in a full-on generation where they could care less what their leaders say, whether it's their mommy and daddy, or whether it's their pastor, or whether it's the president of the United States. We probably should throw a few gas bombs at that guy. It has gone haywire. What was once right is wrong. What was once wrong is right. We are living in that culture today. Let's take a look at our next slide. We got to talk about the throne of God. We should only think of authority, not the person, because our submission is not to a person, but it is to the throne. God's authority. Who is a person? And what we do unto others, we do unto him. And Jesus said this to his disciples and other listeners that were listening. What you do unto me, you do unto my father. He is clearly communicating how gossip works and its ramifications. And if you hurt me, you abuse me, you curse me, you you say nasty things about me, this is what you're saying to the God of the universe, God the Father. I doubt they got it back then either. If this is not our passion, we do not know what authority is. If we deal with the person-handed authority before submitting to the throne of God, we are completely deceived. If we honor them, the matter of authority first and then submit to the person assigned his authority, irrespective of who it is, we are on the same path of Christ himself. Now here is the man who holds the power to literally split the globe if he spoke the word to do it. Now, what kept Jesus from letting those leaders know The spiritual leaders of his day were the worst. The politicians were easy. What held him back from literally bringing heaven down upon these gossipers? 
calling them Beelzebul, Satan, calling them a fake Messiah. The list is very long. What held him back? The Father. We think Jesus knew absolutely everything. I'm telling you, he got dumbed down quite a bit by the time he was coming out of Mary's womb. And he grew up as a man, a mere man. He was dumbed down, even though he was God. He was the Son of God. He didn't have this this complete sense of everything that his father knew. In fact, there's one passage that tells us that the father chose not to tell Jesus the day nor the hour of his second coming. And I find that interesting. What harm would there be for the Father to tell Jesus, now, on this day and on this hour, you're going to be coming back to earth to gather your bride? Well, we can't actually even answer that question because if Jesus was not giving the knowledge of this, I would stay away from those videos that say September 17 is the great return of Jesus Christ. And all of you listen, these absolutely idiotic prophets who come up with these dates and times and knowledge that Jesus Christ to this very moment has not been given the prerogative to understand. Why? Because he's under authority. And you millennials that are running around claiming you are your own authority, you're actually confessing you are above Christ. Now you listen to me careful at 602-292-2982. You are an antichrist. Let's talk about the Romans' road to hate. Key ramifications in the book of Romans, Paul reveals the sin that remains in believers after their old nature has been crucified with Christ, stating how God poured out his wrath on those who rejected his laws and guidelines for human restitution. Many believers find it impossible to follow the biblical guidelines, even those that know him instead turning away from God's instruction and guidance, requiring God to give them over to their sinful passions. I have one thing I can count on. If I gossip, or there's gossip going on about me, God is going to turn you over to your sinful passions. Because gossipers do not Listen to authority figures. They are not teachable. They are not correctable. So therefore, as God is saying in this passage, the only teacher you'll listen to is your own damnation. So in our passage, it says, resulting in being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, 
They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinances of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. I heard just today someone within our circle of loved ones who started supporting homosexuals as a pastor, standing up for them, protecting them because they speak of Christ so graciously. Now I would like to ask this person, I doubt they're listening, but I would like to ask a person like this, so let's do the same thing with murder. Let's talk about people who are going around murdering innocent people and you're supporting them and their lifestyle and that it's normal, natural, and neutral because they speak of Christ so well. Pick any one of these sins. It doesn't work. It only works with homosexuality. Don't you find that a bit odd? That's because Satan is a bisexual. He's part female, he's part male, he's part beast. That's his triune. That's why he's related to having goat's feet and female breasts. And of course the great rod that comes forth from him being his penis. This is the oldest graphic describing Satan that we know of. Of course he's going to legalize and promote and enhance and grab a hold of the majority of the entire church to join him in this movement. Well done, Pastor. Let's talk about the uh, critical nine points of Matthew 18. Since we have the to-dos already out of the way, when that hate mail comes in or when that gossip shows up at your door by one means or another, this is what we have to consider. Number one, hopefully we'll pray about it. Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to do anything? Two, you're probably going to get a wait. You see, in order for sin to find itself, it has to have time to do so. You got to give it time. Number three, get Christ as life counsel. Don't get liberal counsel. Don't get Christian counsel. You need Christ as life. You need someone to speak into your life who is not afraid to throw themselves into the Holy Spirit and to be taken over by the Holy Spirit to give you solid, indwelling advice from the throne of God. Because God the Father's advice he's going to give is the same advice that Jesus will communicate to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit communicates this advice through this 
leader you're picking, supposedly, and it releases out of them and you get holy, biblical advice that does not come against the scriptures. If I hear you say anything from anyone, I don't care if they're a spiritual authority in your life, if it does not line up with the word of God, you've lost my attention. I will not address you. I will not have a discussion with a fool. A fool is someone who has taken lies, formed them into half-truths, and stands on them like they're really, truly what God says and what God means. That's a fool. The true definition of fool, of course, is one who knows the truth and does not act upon it. Hebrew fool means the man that is birthed through chaos. It's not the man of chaos yet. A fool is a man birthed. It's like the woman being chaos in this child that's being born through this woman is a fool being birthed from chaos. And there's a lot of kids today that have mommies and daddies that are nothing more than fools. They're not indwelt by the living God. And if they are, I don't know what Jesus they're following because I've looked around in Jesus' scriptures to try to see where they're getting this doctrine and it's not there. So what we've done is we've taken out our scissors and we've cut out all the verses that have anything to do with strength, immovable doctrines, like the passage I am preaching on. My preaching alone is like this, let alone the scriptures that I cling to. But if God says it, I don't have the prerogative to interpret what he says. And this passage is telling us God is speaking to Jesus. Jesus is speaking to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul. He wrote this down and he warned the Romans, this is the 18 items you're going to have in your life the rest of your life if you do not change your ways. And that is our culture for today. After this Christ as life counsel, then it obviously needs to be decided if you were going to respond or ignore. Number five, you may meet the critic. That oftentimes does happen. Number six, you avoid the but if you are meeting with them. They're doing just more of the same thing that they've done. They're going to stick to their lies, by the way. They may have a few new ones that they bring with them, but they're basically stick to the same smock. And they're going to start throwing this at you, and this will be your most intense moment. So as they, anyone who downloads on you, never say but. You never stop someone who's puking. Do you understand that? Is that correct medically, doctor? You don't stop someone who's puking. They've got to get it out. That vile, defiling stuff has to come out. So 
you've got to go into conversations knowing if someone's puking on you, stay silent. No buts. Don't try to stop them. Don't try to make them swallow that vomit. You just let them get it out. And then after they get it out, you'll be able to determine if you can actually begin to speak. So as they are throwing up, you are praying silently. And after they're done throwing up, hopefully you came into the meeting with a plan of how you're going to try to lead them to Christ. Not defend your position or be offensive to theirs. The whole goal and objective would be to lead them to Christ. And in many cases, it's back to Christ. And there's nothing wrong with gaining truth out of some of the things that they have said to you and they're throwing up on you. In closing, you got hate mail, but love mail is coming, and that is an absolutely true statement. There is so much hate in the world already, and God is pretty sure he hears every word spoken. Pretty sure he records it in the book of life. Pretty sure he's got this baby nailed down. So he's not going to be shocked in absolutely any fashion, right? So, in understanding that, God is interested in giving you love mail. He's interested in giving you love mail from family, friends, and even strangers who don't know you. He wants you to understand this this love message that has been written to you. He wants you to understand that above all things there is love. And that your life is not based upon this gossiper. Your life is based upon the one that loves you the most. And it's not your wife or your husband or your children. They'll turn on you in a dime. The love that we are talking about is a love that comes from the Father. It's undefiled. It's pure. It, it doesn't do any reaction when it's wronged. You know the list. It's pure. And when I give that kind of love to my wife, she can trust me because of trusting Christ in me, because she can say, that's not my husband's love. I can assure you. That is the love of God coming through him. And I can do the same thing with her. So our relationship is based upon the indwelling life of Christ. Go ahead and be friends with someone who does not have the indwelling life of Christ. James chapter 4 makes it very clear what's going to happen to you. God makes it clear to James, who's Jesus' half-brother, He writes this letter to us. In chapter 4, he says, He who is friends with the world is an enemy of God. Now, you emergent people, millennials, whatever you want to call yourselves, I want you to send me a 602 on this. 602-292-2982. When you are using social networks to gain some type of friendship, You are playing the most dangerous game there is. You cannot 
be friends with the world. To win the world. God has made it clear in that passage that if you do, you are an enemy of the living God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to face a hostile God. I don't want God to be my enemy. I want him to be the one who writes the love letters. You cannot be friends with the world. To truly be a friend, you have to exchange identities. And when you are a true friend of someone who is indwelt by Christ, that's the reason this guideline is given to us, is that you are actually uniting through spirit. One mind, one spirit. That is true friendship. Now, if you are not listening to that directive, it means you're deceived. Now, you pick your favorite social posting company and tell me that everyone on your list, that you have an absolute guarantee that they are indwelt by the living Christ. 602. 292-2982. You cannot. The whole satanic system that is in place is based on friendships. Because Satan knows what I just told you. If you become friends with the world, you will be an enemy of the living God. James chapter 4. That happens also to be the same passage that talks about the consequences of those who are gossipers. The chapter starts by saying, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not your own members waging war with itself? You ask, but you have not, because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. I have tens of thousands of people that are in my network. And I am not such an idiot. Tell you everyone that is in that network is an indwell believer. I have an acquaintance with these people. They are an objective for me. They are a target for me. So if you're using your social networks as a venue for ministry to target people, Keep on doing it. But if you're doing it to get kudos from these friends by befriending you or defriending you, then you better read James chapter 4. Next week, we start our Betrayal, the Kiss of Judas series. I'm very excited about it. It is a very in-depth study from the Hebrew, a little bit from the Greek. But it is how you handle someone who's betrayal. A gossiper is showing early signs. It's like precancerous. They get labeled precancerous, which means if you don't take care of this, you'll probably get consumed by cancer. A gossiper is precancerous. Someone who betrays is going to die of cancer. Join us next week in our podcast as we start our new series called Betrayal.
been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.